Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, here we are. Uh, we are here. We got a game recap to, to get to. Uh, your boy is sick as a dog with a little sore throat. I sound like Doc Rivers. You know, do I sound like one of those coaches that's just been yelling? Do I sound yeah, terrible? You're, you're horse. You, you got the coach after the tournament voice. Yeah, it's like I told her guys we had to fight. But, Bo Rude, you're getting ready to, 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 to leave town. So, you know, we're, we're, we're via FaceTime. But we are taping this. It's about 730 on Black Friday, and we were like, "Man, we can't wait. We we gotta we gotta recap that one." Twenty four seventeen, Nebraska beats Iowa at Iowa. Oh my God, my friend! That I mean, uh, I don't even know where to begin with you. I'm just I'm. It's like I'm. I feel like I've been through a battle, but like I am relieved. We Nick, we won. We actually won a game. Right? Unbelievable. It. It almost felt like that was the entire five year, the, the entire past five seasons wrapped up into one game. But instead of losing, somehow Nebraska found a way to win. Like, I, it was, it had all the ingredients of the Frost era. And it would have been fitting to, it would have been really fitting for that to be the final game of the Frost era. But instead, they found a way to hang on and win. That was you're right. Like I am, I am emotionally spent after that game. I'm. I mean, one. I'm just so. I'm so relieved that we won for multiple reasons. One, for those players. Those yes. Players. They've been through a lot. They played hard. As much as they have not won, they have continued to like to prepare and play hard. I felt. Um, and to see them get that, you could feel it, man. They were truly jack you know did you did you happen to watch the the post game where they were they, they had the trophy oh yeah and nelson nelson has the trophy bring it to the fans i mean how great is that i i'm glad you brought that up because i i, I tweeted this out and you know i you know, don't want to go all hallmark card on this on everybody but like you can't help but be happy happy for those players because like oh, though God. and those coaches by the way they've been through a ton Yes. They've struggled. They've lost. No one is trying to change the history here. But they never quit. They never quit. And it is cool to see that rewarded tonight. That that yes. was that felt I don't know. You you we can acknowledge that this program is, you know, really struggling right now and it needs new leadership and you know and all, all those sorts of things. But that doesn't change the fact of like these guys, like I want to remind you, think back to, and and you you can say all oh, different circumstances, like eh, not really, like to a certain extent. Think back to Iowa on the final game of Mike Riley. Yeah, Iowa came to Lincoln and won fifty six to fourteen. Scored twenty eight points in the third quarter. They had five hundred yards of offense. They ran for three hundred and thirteen yards. Like, that was a football team that had 
absolutely 100% packed it in and quit. This yep. team never quit. And that it's just cool. I, it was cool to see that rewarded. I mean, it, the Big Ten West is not good right this year. Oh and my I God. just don't think they are. They're not good. But let's be let's let's point something out. Iowa is the best team in the Big Ten West. They're number one in the West. <laughs> they win, they go to the Big Ten title game, and we played spoiler, like a true like one to one spoiler. Not like, oh, they might like they were in if they beat us. Yep. And we beat them. Right. Um and we have not beaten them in the Frost era. Or I don't believe the Riley era, correct? I don't know. Last win was what two thousand? Yeah, two thousand fourteen. Yeah. His last, his his ride off into the sunset and and was a win over. Yeah. So I mean, you're right. I mean, yeah. So so I, I guess for me, it's like I'm so happy for the players. I'm so happy for these coaches that that stood in there and they prepared like the right way and held the team together. Uh, I mean, you got to give credit credit to Mickey and you got to give credit to Bill Bush. And that that defensive staff for hanging in there, um, and I, I'm actually in a, in another way extremely happy we won because Nick, if we lose that game, of our fans, the amount of fans that are on the teetering point right now, yeah. there's too many. There's too many people I've talked to like, man, I just don't know if I can do it. And, you know, a lot of that talk, and I'm just I'm always the optimist, like you got to hang it. But like this win going into the off season, into this next coach coming. I think it just breathes a little bit of like, it gave you something. It gave you like, all right, yeah, we can win eventually here. We just got to put it together, right? We just beat, I mean, it kind of makes you a little bit frustrated for the rest of the season. Yeah. Go, okay, we just beat Iowa at home. Really all we had to do was like beat Illinois, beat Minnesota, Purdue, and we're we're in the title game. And we're probably, um, you know, like, Mickey probably gets that job, you know, like, right. God, you missed opportunities is what it is. Right. You're right. A couple of things with that. You're told, I thought about that. I'm like, man, I mean, first of all, again, bears repeating, we've said it. You I, watching this game today. You're like, if this team would have had Casey Thompson for the whole, for, for the Illinois and Minnesota game, we, the, everything could be different right now. I mean, cause they yeah. are a different team with that guy. And because he unlocks Trey Palmer. Trey Palmer goes from like milk carton. He is missing. (laughs) Literally, like he is, you know, totally missing in action to just a weapon of mass destruction. And so there's that. But the other thing I thought about too, you brought this up in the moment. And even though it was a win, I honestly think you were right in – do you remember the end of the COVID year, Nebraska went to Rutgers, and they won. But Wandale Robinson got lit up. Like, yeah. he, he, he went over the middle a couple times, got hit hard. Got I think he might even gotten knocked out of the game. He just, like, he took some yeah. shots. And you'd have to imagine he walked off that field with a bad taste in his mouth about Nebraska. Yeah. I say all that to say we just spent time on the pod talking about a lot of the guys you hope stay, whether it's, you know, Trey Palmer, uh, O'Shawn Mathis, Garrett Nelson, Casey Thompson. I could go on and on, but you, you know the point. Like, I'd have to imagine a lot of those guys are – feeling pretty good about being a part of Nebraska in the moment. They're, they, they're, their yeah. last their last memory 
their last impression was a good one. Maybe that'll carry over. I don't know. Just a thought. I, I think, Nick, the difference between winning and losing, especially for the guys that aren't Garrett Nelson, like the guys that aren't um, Nebraska born and bred, right? Like if you're Trey Palmer, if you're Marcus Washington, who had a nice game, Barry. Um, if you're O'Shawn Mathis, like you're new to Nebraska and it has not gone well here what, during your time. But, I, you know, what this does, like you said, it leaves a better taste, but it shows a glimmer of like, oh, there's a chance you can really be successful here. If, if we got things, you know, we'll, we'll go into the offensive line. Yeah. We, we can go into some of that later. But, like, there's a few spots that we got to get fixed here. But there, I mean, gosh, you look at Trey Palmer and Casey Thompson, you go, we got to do whatever we can to keep those guys. Oh, my Holy God. crap. Yes. I mean, Casey Thompson's fucking good. Like that guy is a good player. Um, Well, one of the things, I guess we'll start getting into the game like this. You and I joked a a few days ago that Mark Whipple might whip out the YOLO playbook. (laughs) Like he might, like that guy might be like, this is my last, this could be my last game coordinating, calling plays. Who knows? I'm, you know, I'm 60 plus years old. I got some health issues, all those sorts of things. We both kind of predicted, like, I could kind of see him going out there and just airing that bitch out. And yeah. what did he do? He came out throwing and aggressive. Here are, at the end of the first quarter, Casey Thompson was 6 of 11 for 126 yards and a touchdown. Trey Palmer had four catches, 111 yards, and a touchdown, the 87-yard bomb. Like, they came out firing and aggressive. I don't even remember when their first run was. I mean, maybe we did a quick handoff somewhere, but like, I feel like the first quarter and a half, it was all throws. Yes. I mean, just, and, and it, what's funny is, you know, we were joking, like, I was like, if Whip, instead of just pretending like he wants to throw it, he should throw in every play. The more that game went on, the more I thought, we don't have a prayer running the ball. We really, that was the first time I ever felt like we really can't do it. We can't run it. No, especially against Iowa, too. Like yeah. especially against him, I agree. Like, I think a lot of the a lot of the the anger and venom towards Whipple or criticism towards Whipple to me was more a product of when Thompson wasn't in the game. When it was yeah. Purdy and Smothers and he was still trying to call the game like he had Casey, that's when I'm like, Okay, you need to you need to see that those guys can't do it. But obviously Casey being in there changes the whole equation but I agree with you like it's funny you sit there and you say we kind of joked like uh he's gonna yolo it and throw it around and then you watch it and and I'm with you I'm like yes they need to throw it and you heard Mickey say I think he said it at halftime and after the game he's like we felt like Trey those guys couldn't guard Trey and those guys couldn't run with Marcus those got like he was like those guys can't run with, run with them those our advantage was Palmer, Washington, Casey's arm, not trying to hammer it inside with a bad offensive line. And by the way, a guy in Anthony Grant who is like, I don't know. Fell off like, the face of the earth. Yes. I mean, he uh, who was in the Simpsons softball episode? Who fell? <laughs> Ozzie Smith fell down the. Ozzie Smith, was a, he was a tourist taking pictures and he fell into the like the deepest hole in the world or something, the never ending hole. And I think that's. That's Anthony Grant right now. I mean, uh, Grant. Grant again. There's not. There's not a lot of room. 
But homeboy wants to bounce and dance like nobody's biz right now. It's like, dude, just get up, get up in there. I, I, you know what? I'm going to be less critical, of Anthony Grant, because he hasn't seen a hole in two or three games. Um, <laughs> he hasn't. He has not seen a hole in two or three games. But I'll say this: his job needs to be. It's first and ten. You got to get back to the line of scrimmage and get a yard or two. If you just are hitting the line and pressing it, you'll get a yard or two. He lost yardage on, call it five or six first and ten plays this this game. Where Nick, there's no holes, there's nowhere to run, right, right? right? But your job in that situation is don't lose three yards on first down. And he kept trying to bounce. He kept kind of dancing and trying to, like sometimes your job is get me a yard to two. Right. Give me three hard, tough yards. Actually, Ramir came in, and you saw the way Ramir was hitting the holes and pressing the line. That was the difference, and I think that's why they pulled Grant right. for most of the second half is because he wasn't seeing it. Like, sometimes your job is to see that, like, the best hole is the backs of the offensive linemen, like, in leaning forward. Right. Totally, completely agree. Uh, So, by the way, real quick, in the first half, just to extrapolate it, because like you said, it wasn't just a first quarter thing. It was like a first half thing. Palmer finished with six catches, 138 yards, and two touchdowns. Casey Thompson finished 12 of 19, 196 yards, and two touchdowns. And this is on, like, a really good Iowa defense. And yeah. they came out firing and throwing. But what's crazy is Iowa kind of came out throwing, which was like, okay, th- thank you. Because Petrus ends yeah, up good. getting knocked out of the game, which brought in Alex Padilla, which I think actually their backup, that probably helped them. I think Petrus was having a rough go at it. Yeah. But it was just odd that Iowa came out airing it out. And because it, it seemed like if they would have wanted to really commit to the run, they could have had a little bit of success, but it was it was interesting how that game started with both mindsets for the offenses. Yeah, I mean, I, Iowa's offense. I got. I mean, they're just not good. I oh, mean, Jesus. Yeah, that was that was just a uh, that was a very. I mean, their offensive. I feel like there was no there was truly no threat for them to ever throw the ball down the field. No. I mean, ever they never threw it past maybe 15 or 20 yards and one of them was on that scramble i don't think they dropped back and threw it down the field so um it was a really strange offensive game plan for them but uh yeah i mean you talk about uh, that game being like in your pocket there's sh- it shouldn't even have been we shouldn't even be talking about this right now like, i know it been a i know blowout. well because uh, some of these iowa mistakes or you want to call them nebraska making plays nebraska has two strip sacks that leads to lead to fumbles Quentin Newsom yep. on a nice corner blitz. Sack, Ernest Hausman recovers it. And then Maga Clements played a whale of a game. Like, yeah. that dude played good because Reimer was out. Maga Clements came in there and, like, he was flying around. He was Nick, flying he just, around. He's a guy, I remember watching his film. He's, he's from America, Samoa, right? Yeah. Like, he is, like, from the, they, from the rock, they call it. They call it the rock. Yeah. Like, it's in the middle of nowhere, America, Samoa is, right? And it's just, I mean, it's a, it's a different country and it's a totally like different world. And this guy comes in as a skinny cornerback to Juco. Then he becomes like this Juco player of the year out of nowhere. Right. After he grows. And, you know, we, we pick him up and I just loved his film though. Cause he was this guy, you could tell he was kind of like a wild man. He just blitzes and he runs. So he never really found, you know, time on the field, but 
what he did today is kind of what I was hoping he could be, like a guy that just was kind of a splash play guy, and he was just flying around today. He finishes with seven tackles. He has one sack. That was a strip sack and two TFLs. And his sack yeah. was like an athletic play. Like it was, Padilla yeah. was trying to get away from him, and like a lesser a lesser dude would have like probably like let him out of his out of out of his grasp. But not only does he sack him, he jars the ball loose. The ultimate warrior had an opportunity to scoop and score, <laughs> and the ultimate warrior was like, "Oh my god!" And yeah, I, I respect the fact that he really slowed down. He picked it up like he was like an eighty year old man who dropped his bingo card. He was like, "Oh, oh he's a little stiff." He was looking a little stiff, and he was telegraphing that pickup. He's like, here we go, boys. We're going to have to bend over. But, but I tell you what, Nick, it's important. You just you got you to scoop get it. it. Take no chances. Get the thing in your hands and then run. So, too bad we, like, their, their receiver got to jump on it. But otherwise, I mean, that should be six. Should have been a, it should have been a scoop and score. So, those, so, you had the two strip sack fumbles. You had the muff punt from Iowa where Elante Brown recovered, which, by the way, and maybe, like, I feel like I just noticed it more today. I love how there used to be a lot of guys on punt team, punt return team, kickoff team that were, like, guys that you had to pull up the roster and go, like, who is that guy? Yeah. There's a lot of Garrett Nelson, Maga Clements, Alante Brown. Like, there's a lot of starters, like, Top-tier dudes that are on special teams that, that is off, cool to see. offensive guys, too. I mean, yeah. the fact is, like, when you got offensive guys, it tells me, like, you're trying to play your best players. Right. Right. The Dick Bob Podcast is brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors, and I want to talk to you guys about energy efficiency. And if you go into Pella's website right now, you look at it, and how about this? One, two, three, four, five different types of windows or doors. By Pella, won the Energy Star 2020 Most Energy Efficient Award. That's big-time stuff right there. And they achieved that in a couple of waves. They got insulated glass, which slows the heat transfer, keeping your home at a more comfortable temperature. They got types of low-E glass, which is a glass coating that has been optimized for your climate. They got triple-pane glass, which you can upgrade to for increased insulating airspace. And within all of that, one of the keys is proper installation, which is key for window and doors to perform at their best. And you know the Pella experts are excellent at that. Bottom line, energy efficiency matters in making your home more comfortable. And Pella windows and doors are at the top of the line when it comes to energy efficiency. Check them out online, PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. You get the muff punt from Alante Brown, or Alante Brown recovers. And then the other big mistake, the leaping over the punt shield. Oh, Did you wow. know? I nope, didn't I, know that. Had no idea that was a penalty. I didn't know that. I, I'm maybe shame. I'm glad. I feel better that you didn't know because I truly I didn't understand what they were looking at, and I knew you couldn't. You can't hurdle a field goal, right? You can't leap, or you can't. I jump don't off think the, anymore. Uh, there was a time you could. And remember, like the, I remember, just remember the dudes from like the Seahawks kept doing it, and right. I think they. You can't do that anymore. You can't do it in the pros either, I think. But I could be wrong on that. I don't know. I don't know if I've heard the official ruling. Well, so, because that leaping over the punt shield play ended up, it's not like Nebraska got points out of it, but Iowa was going to have the ball. That's right. Iowa was going to have the ball in pretty good field position. Instead, Nebraska got the ball back, and they ate three more minutes off the clock, which ended up being – 
massively important. But what was interesting, I felt like after the leap over the over the shield and Nebraska got the ball back, I felt like Mickey made the decision, and I think I liked it at the time, but I, I also think it it kind of like set a tone for the rest of the team. He everybody went in to bleed the clock, like get on oh, our yeah. heels mode. Like all of a sudden we were, you know, Nebraska's chewing the play clock all the way down. They're running the ball. They're not taking shots at all, which I think is the right thing to do. But in some ways, this this group is so fragile mentally and doesn't know how to win that once they were like, okay, so we're throttling it down. Okay. And then they just proceeded to pee their pants for the rest of the game after that. Because really, oh, I mean, it, they uh, whizzed their pants bad after that whole sequence. Well, for me, I mean, you know, it, it's, it's, we can't even, I mean, that's where like you talk about, like we couldn't Nick get a yard. Like we were losing three yards a run after that, basically every run. Uh, and then, you know, and then Ramir gets stripped, you know, I mean, it, it felt like, the collapse was coming. Like it kind of, that's what's so hard is like we were jubilated now, but there was a moment there where you felt the collapse, like it's happening. It yes. basically was happening. And then we rallied essentially. Yes. Cause okay. So Nebraska bleeds clock. They punt it away. Re- the, the next time Nebraska gets the ball, Ramir fumbles on the first play from scrimmage with a little over six minutes left at the 25 yard line. That sets up an Iowa field goal. And at this point, you're going, are they going to fuck around and lose this? They were up 24 to nothing. Are they going to lose this game? Uh, Also, during this time, just to go through all the different ways Nebraska peed in their pampers, Quentin Newsom drops not one, but two interceptions that would have sealed the game. Yep. Trey Palmer got tackled by his jersey (laughs) one yard short of the first down. Uh, Nick, I mean, it's funny you you named those three plays. Those were as egregious as, as uh, Ramirez fumbled to me. I was like, guys, this is a you win the game if you can make a simple play, and like we weren't ma- we had three chances to essentially end the game, and we couldn't do it. Which like I think every Nebraska fan out there, like your heart's in your throat, and you're just like, I'm gonna have a heart attack right now. I mean, Trey Palmer, and <laughs> I guess in his defense. But even so, he had to have thought he was, he was he had gotten the first down and he was there. But I mean, that was akin to I my two year old son Mac trying to run away from me, and I just grab the back of his onesie and I pull him yeah. down. Like Trey Palmer, you are a, a elite athlete, like big dude, and this dude just grabbed the back of your jersey and and it was you couldn't go anywhere. I mean, it was unbelievable. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I just. Yeah, I was. I was just. That was one of those plays where I was just. I'm just shaking my head. But you know, in the end, like the, the one good thing about that play, though, as I'll say, is Nick he caught it inbounds and like at least the clock. Yeah. You know, it kept the clock moving and, and enforced. You know, kept it kept forcing the Wisconsin's hand. Then right. So if we would have thrown an incomplete pass there on third, and has been like, then we Nick think about the amount of like difference that would have potentially made. Well, okay, so then uh, just as we're going to go through where Nebraska peed their pants, but we'll also get into some decisions. This, I didn't understand. It was fourth and one, and they Mickey makes a decision to punt it. There's 
they're at the Nebraska, they're at their own 34 yard line with three minutes and 20 seconds left. There were some people I saw on Twitter, and I even had some people text me, like, come on, man, you're a three and eight football team. You got to get a yard. Go for it there. I'm like, yeah, I, I agreed with the decision to punt it. We weren't getting that yard, Nick. We couldn't get a yard, especially no. when they know we're, we got to, that we're not going to go deep, essentially. Uh, we had no chance. It was terrible. Well, That's and, how bad our offensive line was playing. And while while the the melt while Nebraska was melting, Iowa has arguably the worst offense in the country too. So you yeah. know, at the very least, just punt it and make them have to make some more plays. So I agreed with that decision, and I, yeah, I think you did too. If you're playing Purdue, you can go for it. You know what right. I'm saying? Like you're playing Purdue, and they can really sling the rock. You go for it there. You're playing Iowa with a great defense and a crap offense. You punt it. Like, you actually have the advantage, your defense versus their offense. Right. So, the next uh, pee in your Pampers moment, this podcast brought to you by Pampers, apparently. <laughs> uh, Nebraska gave up a third and 14. Uh, the third and 14, they threw the little, I think it was to Lachey, Nick Lachey of 98 Degrees. He came out and, and did a little dance for everybody. Nick Lawan. But third and 14, he's able to catch it, and then he does what, what Trey Palmer couldn't do, not get brought down by a jersey. He caught it and gained like two yards and got a first down. So at that point, you were like, oh, my God, to give up another third and 14. But ultimately, Nebraska ends up forcing, uh, getting a stop. There, there was the play. What did you think of the play? Third down and seven at the 30-yard line for Nebraska. The crazy sh- pre-snap shift that out of nowhere, Nebraska snapped it, and luckily it was a false start, and it was maybe going to be a fumble. Oh, what? God. What was that play? Well, what I don't know is I didn't actually see where the false start was. Did we I think false it, start or did they- I, I, I think Nebraska was lucky that it was called a false start. Because I, I, I was so focused on the, on the false start. I didn't see, was the snap just like bad or was Casey not looking because he heard the whistle? I think it was the snap was bad and came out of nowhere. So maybe it was, it was like false start in the sense that like people were still shifting. Oh, I don't man. know I mean, what, I don't know what happened on that play. But Well, the thing about it is, is like, if you're trying to draw somebody off sides, it's just different when it's like third and four versus third and seven, like. I don't know. It's just like the risk reward of that play was probably not there. No. I mean, so the crazy thing, though, about that is like you were lucky that didn't go horrifically terrible and be a fumble and they scoop it. But oh, it also God. you were in field goal range. And then you yep. take you it backs you up even more. And then this comes to the second decision. What did you think about Nebraska's decision to punt it instead of attempt the field goal? So it was fourth and 11. At the Iowa 34, it would have been about a 50-yard field goal for Bleak Road no. with a minute left, and or you could punt it. Did you want him to try the field goal, or did you like the punt? No, nope. nope, I like the punt. Like I said, Iowa, Iowa, the right play to me is make Iowa throw the ball and do anything, which uh, from from like going the whole length of the field for them, like to give them the ball, like closer to the you know the midfield to them is so much different than when you put them like on the 20 or inside. It's just too bad they couldn't have pinned him deep. Well, no, like, that's the thing is Bushini, I've never seen a punter that mad. He was like, do you think when a punter fights, he just like lines up and he just tries to tries to punt kick people? Like, I mean, Bushini was going to go kill 
the dude. Oh, he was pissed. I mean, it was. It was a pretty bad you know, play by that by the it, punt coverage group. It wasn't good, but you know, I also think Bushini there. You don't have to land it on the five either. Like your job is to keep it like right around the ten or inside. Like right. I think like there was no there's nobody else covering. I mean, nobody else blocking. So like really, they're not going to return it. So like all you can't do as Bushini is put one in the end zone for any reason. Right. Yeah. So I mean, I, I guess it, it bounced hard, but like no, I agree also with you. Not like an easy play from the defender. Well, to be like a golf analogy, there's a time to go for the stick, you know, like attack the yeah. flag, and there's a time to just get it on the green. That, that was like that's a, what I'm saying. Get it on the green, dude. Th- that's a great analogy. That's a get it on the green, not like I want it two inches for the tap. Because and God. yeah, because you punt it through the end zone, you end up only gaining about ten yards of field position. Yeah, that that was a that hurt. But like I said, it's I think it's better than missing, like missing the field goal from the what were we on the? It would have been about a fifty. It would have like been out of like a fifty fifty one yard field goal. And Bushini had already missed okay. one. Well, yeah, I mean, okay. or sorry, well, uh, Bleak yeah. Road. Um, and then also I can't remember which which drive this was. It might have been the second to last one for the for Iowa. I thought it was. What did you think of the pass down the sideline? BTN's camera guy. It was Peter McGilligan from the Drunk Irish Times was running oh, that. Oh God! What happened in the BT the the game cam when Padilla rolled out and threw the one down the sideline? The game cam stayed with the quarterback, and we didn't get to see the crazy catch on the sideline. Now we got the replay of it because they ended up reviewing it and overturning it. Did you think that was the right call for Iowa? Yeah. No, I, I do think like I think that was an incompletion because one. He didn't have possession. His like the borderline is did his knee touch right when he sort of pressed it against his chest, which is probably the case where like if it's at the same time you're out. So that's a coin flip. But I don't think he had possession of the ball once he hit. So I think with the fact that it, when he hit the ground, the ball moved again. I think that's what they looked at and said, "Hey, there's basically two pieces of evidence. One of them's a guarantee it's an overturn, and the other one's like a fifty-fifty. So I think they just said, look, it looks to me like that ball moved, so the, it doesn't even matter if his knee was in or not. So. I know. It was just close. You usually – refs are always pretty big on, like, the pretty big sticklers of, like, whatever the call on the field is to overturn it. Yeah. It's got to be really obvious. And while I don't think the Iowa guy caught that ball, I don't know if there was just a, a – it was totally obvious in the, in the one replay. Even though it, I, it, I think he didn't I'm catch not, it. I am not a conspiracy theorist. I'm not. I'm completely against conspiracy theories for the most part, right? But if you were a conspiracy theorist, who do you probably not want to win the Big Ten? I mean, I wonder. Right, right. Probably not Iowa. That's one of those. If you're one of those people that believe that, you're like, the Big Ten comes in and says, I think that's another one going against Iowa today, folks. Well, Ke- like, well, you we see, did get a lot of calls. And Kevin, Kevin of Warren was in the – you see, Kevin Warren, Big Ten commissioner, was at the game. Do you think he was yeah. standing there? He had like a direct line to the rev, and they're like, no. no, no you no, know what, no. Nick? I, the, you know, that's where if it goes, like those are the decisions that like, if if there ever was, if there ever was like, the, you know, the Big Ten or, you know, the NFL or the NBA, if they wanted an outcome, those are how you influence it, right? Well, like, Bo, I mean, think about the 2009 Big 12 championship game. I mean, what did Bo Pelini oh, yeah. say when he was wandering off the tunnel? The BCS. Yep. That's why they make that call. 
Yep. You know? I mean, there was even, I think there was a little bit of a conspiracy bill was out there. Conspiracy <laughs> Nick and Bo. With, there was the Illinois-Michigan game last week. There was like a questionable pick play that Michigan ran late that there was no flag. I don't know. I'd, lo- I'd love to get, you know, certain refs on the record. Like, how much do you know, are you ever like, strongly encouraged like do you understand as a ref as michigan is playing yeah. illinois like if there's a 50 50 call make sure it goes michigan's way so michigan and ohio state can be undefeated playing each other and and they have the best chance of both getting in you know both have a great opportunity to get in the playoff like i wonder if you think like that at all i don't know i mean nick you know with this iowa offense like i was not great for the big 10 brand nationally they'd much rather see a fun purdue or illinois team in there right now for sure those teams are much more appealing uh be a nice little shakeup for the big 10 i mean i guarantee you i mean i don't guarantee. i just think that like i said they're they're the there's a little part of me that always kind of there's a twinkle in the back of my head like man it seems like we're getting the calls today right (laughs) i know like that i know it felt like we weren't gonna miss a call i don't know why i just had that feeling today so i mean that that is like all the pee in your pampers moments i mean there were probably i don't know if there were more that i i didn't i mean there was it seemed like down the stretch i mean you pointed out nebraska couldn't run the ball to save their life they couldn't get a yard to save their life uh And wow, to go from twenty-four nothing to the point where I even I, I allowed myself to relax for a little bit when it was twenty-four nothing. I was like, oh, when Washington had the one touchdown and he hit him with the shh, yeah. the one over the middle. I was like, this game's over. Mainly because it's like Iowa. I mean, there is you know what is it in dog years? One year is seven years. Is that dog yeah. years for like Iowa? One touchdown deficit is the equivalent of like 21 point deficit so that's that's why it's unthinkable you're up 21 24 nothing yes um in the third quarter and you go it's iowa they can't do anything and and we just like god like i think that touchdown run we give up i mean if we don't give that up and you make them keep marching and earn it and take up another five to eight minutes then it's probably they've given up that it's even possible but the fact we kind of gave up an easy touchdown run there, um, it gave that crowd life. I don't know right. if you felt it like if you, you could hear the crowd energy and craziness flip the switch after that run, and our team was different after that. I totally agree. I think I think it's really, like that long run flipped the game, but Nebraska held on for a little bit, and then they started melting really bad in the final eight, nine minutes of that thing, but unbelievable. I mean, that would have been an all-time – I mean, we've seen some bad collapses. Yeah. That one would have been the worst, right? It would have been the worst. Um, I mean, that's saying know, something. We, were, we weren't good on offense, but you, really the difference was Casey Thompson. Like, Casey Thompson, as bad as the offense did in the fourth quarter, like in the third and fourth, he did get a first down or two, which it might seem like nothing – but the difference is, like, if that's not Casey Thompson, we're not even getting a first down the rest of the game. And then we, we probably run out of steam and they probably get enough momentum to to beat us, right? But, like, getting those little extra first downs here and there, uh, 
I think that made the difference. Yeah, I mean, watching today, and and you watch it, it just, I couldn't help but, I know we talked about it, but to circle back to it, like, you couldn't help but go, man, this is the I, this is the team that was going to go, going to win the division and go play in the Big Ten title. And it just makes you go, if for as, as flawed as Nebraska was, if Casey Thompson doesn't get hurt, there's an alternate universe where Nebraska could have been in contention for for the Big because the Big Ten West is bad. These teams it's are bad. not very good. It's bad. It is. It's bad. And you know, you just realize though, like we beat Iowa and it was ugly, but it could have been a like. Yes, that was close to like, being like the, like. It was a closer to being a blowout for a lot of that game than it was. I mean, we left some. We left a touchdown and a field goal on the board in the first half. Like, yes, you know what I'm saying like, like you know, like dude, no, there was a world. There was a world where that game was 31 to nothing or 34 to nothing. Yeah, and and that's where like it's you know, and people probably drives me crazy that we're always the internal like what if guys, but like I, I can't help but do it when I go. It didn't look like they were even remotely better than us. Like, it, you know what I'm saying? Like, their right. defense looked – like, their defensive line looked better than ours, right? But other than that, their, yeah, their O&D line looked better than ours, but it was really just their O-line probably. But I mean, not even by that. I mean, I don't know. It's just – it's hard for me to just not think we can beat Illinois, Purdue. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I don't – it doesn't seem crazy to believe that. No, I know. I mean, it, you're right. I mean, the only games, like, it felt like when you walked off the field against Oklahoma, you were like, they're better than Nebraska. When you walked off the field against Michigan, you're like, yeah. they're better than Nebraska. Everybody else, it was debatable. And yeah, it's, it's just... even more debatable with Casey Thompson. Exactly. Exactly. But, yeah, I mean, Casey was out second half. And that's a part Illinois of it. And- and uh, yes, but we were up in that damn Illinois game too. You know, you go, Shoot. I know it's it's it is it is crazy. Um, so a wild, a wild, crazy, bizarre season comes to an end now. And I will say, I I, you know, you and I were talking a couple weeks ago. I was like, man, if I could just fast forward through these last two games, I would. I was I was way more emotionally invested in this game than I thought I was going to be. Yeah, which was fun. A nice way to end the season to kind of like you know get get into it, um, but now we sit here and play the waiting game. There were there and we'll. I mean, there were a lot of reports throughout the day. Uh, whether it was ESPN, the World Herald, all reported that that Matt Rule and Nebraska are very close to striking a deal. Um, I think this thing could happen fast. I think if anything taught us tonight, I. I, I am preaching to the choir here, but like you watch tonight and you, and you go, man, whoever the, if it's a rule, you got to keep Mickey around. You, you got it. I mean, I, it shouldn't be a, I mean, obviously it's, it, you know, it sounds like it's Matt rule. And I mean, obviously you want to get him done. You, you don't want to leave him ultimatums, but you, you need to strongly suggest finding a way to, to keep Mickey Joseph. Like, you know, because I don't know what's going to happen with Trey Palmer if he's, you know, if he's a guy that can go pro right now. But if he's not, and Casey Thompson's not, you know, and O'Shawn Math, like, 
dude, you gotta keep these guys. You gotta get, and if Mickey's the key to keeping Palmer of all the guys, Palmer and Thompson, like, well, and I would think, I would think those two are probably like connected. Like, I would bet, I bet the first thing Trey would say, if you would talk to Trey, be like, Trey, you're gonna stay? He would go, well, that depends on two things. Is Mickey staying and is Casey staying? Yeah. If, uh, it's Mickey number one, and then I think, yeah, having a knowing who your quarterback's going to be, because like if you don't got a quarterback in Trey Palmer, uh, you know he, he is going to be the hottest. If he were to go in the portal, he'd be the number one guy in the portal. Period. Right. Yes, I mean so. It it is uh, I what's what's interesting is you would think a total rebuild would include like a quarterback. I'm telling you right now, Casey Thompson is your day one 2023 starter. Do you feel okay about that? Yes, I do. So do I. And I don't know Especially how. Trey Palmer. You can throw in a Trey Palmer. Right. It's like if, if, if Casey Thompson is your day one starter next year with whoever coach, whatever coach you want, probably not God country option. You don't want Casey running God country option. But like, <laughs> but it's a, so that's what's a weird, usually, usually massive rebuilds, you know, like, Teams that are picking at the top of the draft, you know, like when the draft starts, you'll be like, all right, let's go to needs. You know, they go to Mel Kuyper. It's like, well, I think the first thing they need to look at is franchise quarterback. They don't got any quarterbacks right now. They look at quarterback. (laughs) Mel, Mel, I don't think so, Mel. (laughs) But you know what I mean? Like, usually the teams that are picking at the top of the board need a quarterback. Usually teams that are in a massive – like they've had a disastrous period of time. They're needing to kind of blow up everything and start over. You would think they need to go get a new quarterback. I'm not sure that's the case, but I don't know what Casey Thompson we, wants to do. We need to we need to be like with the first selection of the twenty twenty three college football NIL draft, Jonathan Ogden to the Nebraska Cornhouse goes <laughs> offensive tackle. Right. Like, yes, please. They need to go out. I want the most absurd NIL deal of all time to to Jonathan Pancake. <laughs> I, want, I mean, we got to find an international house of pancakes NIL deal. That seems like the most obvious. We need, we, we need a guy like with like Mount Huskmore or something like some something. guy that's like a giant human being that you're just like, that's the biggest man I've ever seen. Like Paul yes. Bunyan, Paul Bunyan with the first pick. Just they need to go out and nil to shit out of like a bunch of Paul Bunyan, Jonathan Pancakes. Jonathan, <laughs> I want Jonathan Pancake on this roster next year. That's what I want. Uh, you want Jonathan Pancake? I want Mount Huskmore. Mount Huskmore and Jonathan Pancake <laughs> on your left and right tackle. That's all I want. Okay. Why can't yes. that happen? Why can't that happen? Uh. So yeah, I mean we'll wrap it up there. I mean again, now we now we play the waiting game, and uh, I think well my guess is. I've thought all along, this thing feels like it's moving quick. And now Trev's maybe, you know, if you're Nebraska, I don't think, here's the problem. I don't know. I think athletic departments and PR people would tell you this. You know, like if you're going to, if you have some bad news, you know, if you have a news dump on something bad, you want to do it like Friday at like three o'clock where, you know, people are like, are going into the weekend and then by Monday hit people like, Hey, did you hear that thing about that one company? People are like, ah, I don't remember about that. It was the weekend, you know? So, like, but if you're Nebraska, I don't think you want to announce that Matt Rule's the coach on the day of the Ohio State-Michigan game. 
right? Like I was thinking, the, I was thinking about that. Like I was thinking about, I think you don't want to do it tonight just because you want to like, let the, the win sink in. You want to like let Mickey and the team and the fans enjoy the win and then maybe hit them. Maybe it's Sunday. You hit them with the, that was my thought. I, my thought was yeah. get, let it go a day. And then first thing Sunday, you could kind of not own, but you could have a, a lot of attention on yourself for Sunday with that announcement and then press conference what's, Monday. What's funny is you, you, when did they make the announcement on rule today? Was that it that the was, game? that was breaking. It, it was breaking pretty much during the game. There was, there was an announce. There was a tweet from Chris Lowe of ESPN that might've been a little bit before the game. Like it was maybe at like noon today okay. that hey so you know the whole sources tell me you know, Trev Alberts has locked in on Matt Rule and the two sides are close to striking a deal and then the World Herald confirmed it. Uh, Steve Sipple was like I, I talked to a guy at Perkins and he had Applebee's and they told me that it <laughs> was Rule. But so so that started. But it was really breaking. Like I think the World Herald posted their confirmation story during the game. So it was kind of a weird deal, a weird sequence of events. But, yeah, like, so I guess my thing is, like, if this thing's starting to leak pretty good, I could see Trev being like, man, maybe maybe this thing gets in, he's going to announce quickie, quickly. And also, if you're, if you're Trev, don't mess around. If, like, if you got someone, lock them in. You know what I mean? Like, announce it. You, you don't yep. want to, you don't want to let anything, you know, we've seen crazy stuff happen. People at, I mean, Dana Altman, I watched Dana Altman at an introductory press conference in Arkansas, accept the job, do pig suey and all that stuff. And then the, a day later he was coming back to Creighton. So like crazy things happen, you know? It is. And you know what? Like, I, I think with the rule too, like if he's our guy, you believe it, let's get locked up because there's going to be a bunch of firings in the next 48 hours. Like, you know, the, the worst thing is if this is our guy and we've been betting, betting all our chips on him, it's like, you know, the, the last thing you want to do is uh, right. all lose of a sudden, him to a to, – All of a sudden, Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M gets fired. And, yeah. and all of a sudden, he's going, wait a minute. Oh, I'm going to go to mm-hmm. Texas A&M. You don't want – you know, you, you don't – you know, you, you don't want to let something like that happen. So, yeah, we'll see. Um, but, but yeah, we'll, I mean, we'll I'm looking even like the athletic, the athletics that like officially announces like Matt rule head, like, like sources, you know, like people yes. are, it's out to me. Like when it's out, that means it was, it was intentionally out because they've been buttoned up. Like nobody's known. I just feel like they almost wanted it out by now. It, you're right. That's a good way to put it. If this thing is out. It's just not official because there hasn't been anything official from the University of Nebraska. Yeah. And but so I, I think they, they wanted, I mean, especially before the game, maybe they, uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe that was just part of the decision, like let, let it happen. But um, yeah, I think you're right though. It, at this point, get it done. And, you know, I think perfect situation. You let, let everybody enjoy the victory for a day and then you go announce it. But, whatever if you need to announce it the next day and get it done with and you know get to recruiting that's fine too whatever you think you think our boy mickey is celebrating with a with a cocktail right now what do you think mickey like what do you think mickey's doing right now 
I think Mickey has got to be feeling pretty good about this win. I mean, it's Nick, it is the signature win of the Scott Frost era. To me, it is. It's the signature win of Scott Frost era slash the Mickey Joseph, like finishing the season. Right. So in five years, Nick, this is our best win. Right. Going to Iowa and beating the potential big 10 West champs at their, you know, the last game of the year, the rivalry game. I mean, it's the best win. Um, so I think it's probably a little bittersweet that he's he's not going to get the job, but it's got to be sweet that you know to get that win as a head coach, and it's building his resume. Like, look, Mickey's on he's on the path to eventually become a head coach. Yeah. Um, and I think it's to our benefit to keep him, and you know keep him around as long as possible. And you know you never know where it's going to end up with Mickey and Nebraska. You know he's a guy that we're not done with Mickey Joseph. You know it, it it's a it's more of like a Mickey is we want him a part of this now. And then you know, maybe in the future, there's something for him too. for sure. For sure. So we'll leave it at that. Uh, and now we play the waiting game on whenever this announcement get happens, you and I will be ready to knock out a pod to react to whoever the new head coach is going to be. Again, all signs point to it being Matt rule, but crazy things have happened. So, so we'll see. Uh, all right. My voice hung in there. I'm, 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 I, Hope I didn't sound too terrible for people, and like we we don't say enough to people. We appreciate. I'm glad that our game recap pods have become a part of people's like routines and therapy and part of the way they consume Husker football. Because I know you and I love doing this, and this is our you know what fourth year doing it, and you know we're going to continue to do it. It's one of the it's 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 like the most fun thing we get to do, and hopefully the rest will start winning. Yeah, it's so much fun. Like we've done it through losing seasons, but it is still so much fun to do. Uh, I get such a thrill, like yes. hearing from people, like I, a guy in the gym or you know a guy at the grocery store. They'll tell me, "Listen to the pod." Let you know, it, it, it's really absolutely makes my day every time. I actually saw in the somebody left in the comments. There's there's people from the Philippines. Yeah, from the Philippines. They all get together. And they listen to our show as, you know, as a group, they listen to it and, and have it, you know, have a coffee or something. I go, that makes my day that know that like people are doing that and they're experiencing it together. Fireside chats with, with Bo Root and Nick Baugh. That's what they're becoming a fireside <laughs> chat with the, with these people from the Philippines and from Husker nation all over the place. So, well, uh, Nebraska only wins what they win four games. A little bit off of our One predictions. Point. We were we were like, I don't know, man, 14-0 and 0 or something like that. A little bit off on the predictions. Nah, we but always, but yeah. we're always optimistic. That's part of the fun. It's part of the we're fun now. We're always a little bit excited. Man, it's going to be a fun uh, time. It's going to be a fun time to react to this coach. And then the, the staff and the portal. Like, There's going to be a lot going on here in the next month. we got a lot yeah, to cover. It's, it's the coach and the Mickey factor. Like, it's some reason, it's like Mickey, the Mickey factor feels huge with Trey Palmer right now. Like, well, Maybe Trey's already like, I'm going pro. Like, whatever. But. Um, he might be. I don't know. It feels like it's something big. I don't know. I'm like, okay. Yes. It'll be fun. This is going to be a ton of fun. Okay, my man, uh, go get some rest, safe travels, and uh, we'll figure out who this coach is, and we'll talk about it soon. All right, buddy. Feel better. I will try. I'm going to try. A Huda Media Productions.